daisy boy. Why a stonking Foodcast Christmas special day, sir? Most begging. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stonkin Foodcast uh, Christmas special. Alec, yeah. Oh, hey, right. hey, Barry. Yeah. Guess what? Uh, Guess what, Barry? I, I I don't know. It's Christmas! Wow, that was amazing. Your vocal range never fails to astound me. <laughs> don't... A bit of a Noddy Holder reference to kick off the festive uh, yeah. the festive season seemed entirely in order there. You're not expecting me to do the same because obviously I think I'll probably just bust my vocal cords, but... Um... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm ho- I'm, my neighbours are probably very worried right now. <laughs> They probably think the uh, the Christmas the Christmas equivalent to uh, Michael Myers is is doing the rounds. Oh yeah, his, uh, yeah Christmas Christmas uh, slasher quest or whatever. But there we go. It's fine. It's the festive season. Yeah, they can deal with random outbursts. I'd like to actually start the podcast. I've got um, I literally put all my patrons into a random name generator or number thing, and I want to wish David Powell, Felix Herman, Francis Seeley. And what was the other one? Oh, sorry, I've lost. I've lost it now. <laughs> uh, oh, Adeline Mitchell Mickelson. A very merry Christmas, and all my other patrons too, and of course anyone else that follows me. But uh, I just thought I'd put them in shuffle mode, effectively, and create my own shuffle mode, and wish them a merry Christmas. Yes. Well, good good tidings to you all, and may your Christmases be merry and various. Merry, yeah. Merry. There we go. Yeah, may your, festive. May your, may, your, may your Christmases be Christmassy. There we go. We'll yeah, go with that. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Yeah. I love Christmas. Do you? I yes, I absolutely love Christmas. I think if you're a if you're a foodie person, it's hard not to love Christmas because I think that the the opportunities for really getting into the into the festive cuisine is just great. So um, I think as a kid, you obviously like it more for the present uh as an adult i think you uh you really get into you know the family side of things of course and the togetherness but the cooking and the eating i think is a big part of that yeah there's that sort of allowance and acceptance to overindulge at christmas isn't there and you start seeing all these crazy things in the supermarkets like last year i haven't really attacked them this year to be honest uh but last year they had like edible baubles and stuff like chocolate ones with like cream in the middle and things like that and parsnip flavor crisps and i think i saw this year they had like fir tree flavor crisps or something in a shop yeah they've they've done that they've done that for a couple of years now yeah you're weird and wonderful festive crisps and things it's yeah, it's um there's there's some there's some interesting stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I have a a, a platter in front of me. You do have a platter because <laughs> last episode, uh I instructed you to go and buy the Poundland Christmas sandwich. Just a recap for anybody who doesn't remember, Poundland sells not one but two varieties of Christmas sandwich. Yes. And they are one pound each, which is not very much money at all. And no. you've really got to question what a one pound uh, Christmas sandwich is going to be like. So I sent you out to find out and you have bought the two of them. Yeah, and it's actually really interesting because um, in between the recording of the second episode, I went out and bought the sandwiches 
quite far in advance. So they've been in my freezer. They've thawed out overnight. So I've never bought a prepackaged sandwich before and let it thaw. Um, but the other thing is that Stuart Ashen, Ashens came to my house and we did a video on his channel of Poundland sandwiches, 10 different ones. And the Christmas ones were in there. And I said, look, man, I've got these other ones that I bought. So I went and bought the Festive Feast and the Pigs Under Blankets from Poundland. And there is actually a Pigs Under Blankets from Waitrose, which is one of the big supermarkets here. One of the more, uh, this, I mean, this was four pounds, this sandwich, as opposed to right. uh, the uh, Poundland ones. And then there's a turkey stuffing and bacon. To be fair, four quid is about what I would expect to pay for an upmarket Christmas sarnie. I mean, this thing looks like a brick, like the one I'm looking okay. at right now. I mean, the, you did ask, you ask me to uh, eat these beforehand, but I, I, I kind of like the idea of eating it in real time, and I'll try and minimize the, the noshing, if that's the right okay. word. Like moshing. Um, the nosh pit. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll get some. We'll get some. We'll get some foley anyway. Yeah. Uh, for all the ASMR people out there, oh. here is the sound of Barry Lewis chewing. I, I already sort of opened them in the box uh, this morning, just sort of like you know, just before we came on actually to record. So I got there's a little bit of. I don't know if you can hear that. A little bit of package open in there. I can hear. Yeah. Did you open them to let them rest? Is yeah. it like taking the roast out of the oven? It's like just gonna let the juices, <laughs> let the juices soak in. Oh, yeah, just to aerate it a little bit. Now I must say, like it's now quarter to two in the afternoon, and I am very hungry indeed. I have not eaten since eight o'clock last night. Um, was this deliberately so that you could sample the Poundland Christmas yes. sandwich? Yes, I had to do it. I'm like, well, if I'm going to do it, I, you know, I was going to literally about two hours ago make a sandwich uh, for lunch. Be like, well, hang on a sec, I'm I'm really hungry. I need to hold out, and I now have the uh, uh, actually a really fun task of eating a festive sandwich. And I've got to say, I've taken a little uh, picture which I'll post nearer the time on my social media and things. And uh, there's, there is a difference. Like the the, the Waitrose ones, uh, they are like bricks. You could literally build a house with these sandwiches. They're thick, they're loaded, the sausage looks good. And this is just through the little window, you know, like almost like a Christmas theme here. It's like a stained glass window. Looking through the, I'm trying to think, it was the grotto. Looking through the, the sandwich grotto window, the preview that teases you and entices you in. The, 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 the Waitrose one is strong. Uh... The Poundland one, one of them is very thin. I, it did actually get crushed in my bag. <laughs> okay, but anyhow, I've got some thawed out sandwiches. Right, so let's go. So, which one are you gonna? Which one are you gonna bite into oh, first? Do you know what? I, I want to go with the nice ones. Um, so I've got two um, from Waitrose. Uh, they did a wrap as well, which looked really nice. But I just thought, well, you know, we don't want to overindulge. Um, Waitrose and Partners Christmas Turkey Stuffing and Bacon Sandwich. It was a cranberry port and orange chutney Ooh, now this thing okay. looks like an absolute beast um i might have to just turn the box around to see um because the poundland ones quite clearly state it's on malted bread a sandwich with turkey breast oh you've got turkey breast in there pork and chestnut stuffing and smoked bacon with cranberry port and orange chutney and mayonnaise in sliced malted bread okay i'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna go for this i might go quiet sorry okay here mm. we go oh wow so I'm just kind of might need to pause the podcast. I mean, I'm kind of enjoying this way too much. <laughs> mm. So talk us through it then. What is it? What are you, what, what, what flavor notes is it hitting <laughs> for you? Still trying to swallow it, to be honest. There's so much of it. Um, the bread is thick and dense and seedy with the maltiness. You're actually getting proper turkey breast in there as well. 
the stuffing is phenomenal. The mayo, I just really like, and even that port and orange chutney, it's almost like a marmalade vibe running for it. I so, so, so want to take another bite, but I have another three to go. Okay. It just looks and feels like like a wealthy, healthy, like full-on sandwich. Like it's going to, you know, you, you feel like you're dining out. You don't need to go for Christmas dinner. Someone could give you that. I'm really over the moon with that. Okay, so we like Waitrose. Let's try the Poundland equivalent. The Poundland equivalent, yeah. So I've got two pigs under blankets ones left. So I guess their equivalent would be the Festive Feast, which incidentally is yeah. the one that I crushed. Um, okay. So it now looks like a load of, like a, someone's mouth pinched together, like really gummy. Uh, seasoned nice. mayonnaise, <laughs> cranberry chutney butter basted turkey, cooked chicken breast, and pork sage and onion stuffing on malted bread. So again, malted bread, chicken breast as well, bit of stuffing. Uh, the the chicken breast feels like it's filler in there. Uh, That's, that yeah. feels like that to disguise the fact that there's not very much turkey in this. Yeah, I mean, I'm opening the bread here. In fact, because I've wedged it together, I'm trying to pull it apart and it's literally perishing and before my eyes, it's disintegrating. <laughs> okay, um, good something sign. Stuart and I noticed with the bread on these ones, they're so thin and you basically just get... I've, I've opened this sandwich up, to be fair. I wouldn't dare open the other one from Waitrose because it, was just, it would just all fall out. You're getting a load of ingredients. There's probably about a tablespoon's worth of ingredients in total in it. And it's okay. all crammed at the front as well to really give that stained glass window selling right. it, you know. So I'm going to have a bite now. Mmm. I might have taken too big a bite there. <laughs> I am really hungry. Mmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is a... This is actually wetter than the, the other one. There's like... Well, I think what they do is they compensate for the lack of ingredients by just putting lots of mayonnaise in. Um, right. Well, that makes sense. Mayonnaise is cheap. So. Yes. Where they're lacking is yeah, is basically everything else. <laughs> ready. <laughs> I just feel like I'm eating a tub of mayonnaise. It's it's nice that the, the, the bread is thin, um, but the chicken and the turkey, like, you know, when I bit into that sandwich a minute ago, the turkey was thick. It felt like I just had like a carved piece of turkey off the Christmas table. And this is literally like specks of it. Like, you know, you go into a supermarket and you get these packets of pre-sliced but it's in loads of teeny little pieces it's like that and it's been it's been reformed into a shape yeah, yeah. It, it tastes like a jam sandwich actually because where it's all mingled Ugh. together like the, cra <laughs> the cranberry sauce has become like a jam but there's nothing else to compensate for it so whereas before i was getting that real nice orange chutney vibe like this is just i mean it's it's acceptable don't get me wrong, that's something that um, Stuart and I concluded as well on his video is like, it's okay. Like, if you well, need a sandwich for well. a quid, yeah. It's br I mean, I've got to wonder what profit margin they're making on that. And boy, if that's the case, then Waitrose must be making an absolute ton. But, you know, you've got proper port and orange chutney in that other one. So, yeah, I mean, it's a jam sandwich. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's exactly what I think of when I think of Christmas. Nothing says Christmas like a jam sandwich. Now, I tell you what, I love a jam sandwich. Do you? Have you ever had a banana sandwich? Um, I've not. No, I'm I'm fine with a jam sandwich. I'm not fine with a jam sandwich as my Christmas default. Yeah, 
That I will say. No, no. <laughs> just like put a bit of cranberry in it on the table. There you go. You go around for someone's house for Christmas dinner, literally bread with cranberry in it. Uh, yeah, can you imagine if that was the, it's like, well, we thought we'd, we thought we'd not bother with the turkey this year. Actually, yeah. we've just we've just made the cranberry sauce. Yeah, so we've help got yourself. Some cranberry sauce, we've got some toast, we've got some refrigerated water. Yeah. What more do you want for Christmas? If you're lucky, we've got some tortillas in the cupboard. If you want, we could, uh, we could get a bit Mexican. The tortillas... <laughs> Tortillas have gone off, so <laughs> yeah. you're taking your life into your own hands. Oh, but hey, it's Christmas. Hey, yeah, Merry Christmas. It reminds me of like, was it Bottom when they, they did like a Christmas episode and they ran out of glasses? Which is traditional, isn't it? At Christmas, everyone's house come around for dinner. You're like sitting on a chair that's not even a chair. It's like a stool and someone sat on a pogo stick or something. But yeah, they, or they one, did... of those, um, one of those exercise balls. That's right, yeah. Somebody <laughs> yeah. <sat>. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like the, the person that should be sat on a chair. It's like grandma's on the exercise yeah. ball rocking away, <laughs> yeah. like a little wee or something like that but um yeah. yeah i remember the bottom sketch they're like serving their drinks and these run out of things and they had like a gravy boat and one of them had like a was it a personal aero ball do you remember them for british people will remember um, this that's from um alan partridge oh was it alan partridge that's, not yeah, yeah, ah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's um alan partridge's weird stalker Ah, it's called yeah. an area later. That's right. Yes, that's. I would actually like to do a video of trying to uh, have food through an area later like that. That would be. <laughs> I don't know if they still make those anymore. Anyhow, back to detergents. Next episode, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so, shall I look at these other ones? Or let's take a look at the other two then. So we got so pigs in blankets. This is a square, like proper Street Fighter battle one on one here. Yeah, they are both literally called the exact same thing. So you've got by takeout, which seems to be the generic name for pound shop. Pigs under blankets on malted bread. This one, it looks very dry indeed. Um, okay. Let's have a look at the ingredients. Lincoln, How much mayonnaise is in this one? Well, pork sausage, seasoned mayonnaise, cranberry chutney, and diced smoked flavoured bacon and that's what Stuart and I picked up on his video as well where yeah we're not sure how they've done that if they've just chucked it if it's just ham and they put it in a a smoker with some liquid smoke in the oven or something like that Mm -hmm. but and I'm I'm literally opening the Waitrose one and this thing looks phenomenal like the sausage is bursting out of the pack I don't know which one to go for does the Poundland tell you uh, what percentage of pork is in the sausages per chance Ooh. No, it doesn't. But they do no. list the ingredients normally, if I remember rightly, in order of how much there is. So bread okay. is first. Uh, wheat flour. Water is the second ingredient. <laughs> uh, oh, if that if that isn't a marker of quality, I don't know what. Yeah. Is. Um. Wow, you have to go really far down until you actually hit the sausage. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's like right. Yeah, it's right at the bottom. Like the chutney is the last thing on the ingredients. Oh no, the last thing, six percent bacon. There we go. That's the only thing with a percentage on there. Right. Um, oh no, nineteen percent sausage. That's still nineteen. Yeah, is, yeah. But you okay. look at it, and I mean, that to be fair, there is a lot of sausage in there. That's that's actually taking it a lot up. And comparing it one on one with the waitress one, but that looks literally like a cooked sausage. Like it's round and it's been halved. So you kind of like a half moon effect diced all the way down the sandwich. Whereas the um the Poundland one looks just like someone's just like put a load of silicon gun right down it just to fill it in before they put oh, it in. Oh great. That sounds that sounds incredibly appetizing. It, it doesn't does it? smell good though, the Poundland one. I'll give it that. I'm gonna go in okay. for that one now, okay? Let's go. Poundland first this time. Oh, I remember now. That's a good start. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm trying not to um, 
it's the sausage. I remember these were like really like almost like chewing gum texture, like really gummy, like Ugh. almost like a sort of spammy <laughs> processed right, semi-sausage. Okay. It's actually got a nice flavour to it, though. The smokiness, there's a salty sort of depth to it. It's a lot better than the other one. I'll give it that. Um, of course, it's pigs under blankets because it's not pigs in blankets because it's just layered. Um, mm. That's that's the one thing to say about it. But the main prominent thing is actually the, the bulk of the meat is in like the front of the sandwich again. Right at the back, the last sort of 20% of it near the crust, there's nothing there. It's like Ooh, vacant. Okay. Um, bacon's all right, nice and smoky. So... Does it taste artificial, the smoke, or does it does it do it? No, it, it, is, it is convincing. It is, yeah. It, it tastes smoky, and I think that's that thing when you eat a sandwich, typically like that, you just get those medleys of flavors normally. But here, you're getting you're getting flavor and depth. That other one, the festive feast, there's not really much to it. But at least the pigs and blankets, there's some saltiness in there. There's a little bit of tang. There's a bit of flavor. There's stuff going on. The main overriding thing, though, and your memory of it, your memory of eating this sandwich will be the rubbery sausage. That's what they should put as their marketing mm. campaign. <laughs> Contains rubbery sauce. Yeah. But if we compare it to the Waitrose one. Here we go. Pigs under blankets with cranberry chutney. Uh, a sandwich made with pork sausage, beechwood smoked bacon. Mm, Cram- here we go. Yeah. Okay. Cranberry chutney and mayo in sliced what, malted bread. Yeah. And of course, again, the main ingredient is bread. How much, what percentage do they give to the sausages for Waitrose? Uh, 29% sausage. Okay, so there you, you get go. 10% more sausage 10% already. bacon as well. Oh, so okay. already you've got right, 40% of talking. the ingredients. Bearing in mind it's a sandwich, so bread is going to take up a lot of that. Uh, yeah. That's a good point, Alec, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's almost double, isn't it? I, I can't remember. What, yeah. Uh, you've got so, a, lot more, a lot more filling in this one. This sandwich, I'm holding it in my hands right now. I'm holding it like a trophy. I don't want to eat it. It feels so tender. The bread is light. It feels high quality. It, like when I'm holding the Poundland one, the bread, as I grip it gently, the, the bread was slowly weeping and compressing right. and getting smaller. That and sounds... This yeah, <laughs> this is padded. It's like it's got insulation. I'm going to, to be fair, I'm going to open it up. Uh, and it's, as I'm doing it, it's pulling the sausage up away off of the sandwich. you got bacon in there, cranberry. Oh my gosh. I, I might have to... Yeah, I might have to go away for five minutes. I'm going to go for it. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh. So Poundland's better then, I assume. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) I'm just sort of like grunting to myself there. That is phenomenal. The actual, again, to be fair, the overriding flavour and memory is the sausage in both these sandwiches it's playing a key role um but this is a seasoned big old fat sausage like literally i'm having a sausage sandwich there with the extra christmas flavors alongside it they're not as intense they're not as full-on the smokiness is less as well considering you've got the beechwood smoke which was one of my favorite things in the world um but that's that's absolutely phenomenal and would i pay four pounds for that Versus the Poundland, if I had the choice and I had the money and that wasn't a concern, 100%. If I needed a sandwich in a hurry, Poundland, I would. Mm. Need that okay. quick fix. But I would definitely choose the pigs in pigs under blankets over the festive feast out of the two Poundland ones if I wanted that Christmas hit. Because the festive feast felt like a jam sandwich. The pigs under blankets felt like a rubbery sausage, but it felt like Christmas in my mouth. Right. Okay. <laughs> Does a that have rubbery, rubbery Christmas in your mouth. <laughs> I'm going to put it on a T-shirt. I don't know if the world is ready for that on a T-shirt. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm having another bite. 
Okay, you go for it. Mm. You, uh, uh, you, you, you generate some more dead air. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I generally am really hungry. I'm so sorry. So, now that Barry Lewis has finally had his lunch, and in the process given us a full and frank assessment of Poundland's Christmas offerings... <laughs> I'm nourished. I am not surprised. You sound <laughs> like you are firmly fed which is very nice very i'm like five nice percent perkier now like do you, do you get that you know they say oh you need some energy you have something to eat i i feel like that i think you, you're five percent pinky and perkier just from the amount of sausage that you've eaten but, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah um so there's a reference for uk listeners only there i think uh but um <laughs> anyway um i've got a christmasy quiz for you mr lewis christmas quiz yeah. I feel Christmas like that should be spelled quiz. quiz, but with a CH, just to make it even more Christmassy, the way it's spelled Christmas quiz. I, I feel like that would be an abomination to grammar, but you yeah. do you, mate. <laughs> the grammar police would be, yeah, all over. So what I have done is uh, I have got four very unusual traditional Christmas dishes from around the world, and I am going to ask you which country you think they originate from are they all mains or one of them might not be so this is the christmas dinner in these countries right yeah i was going to say is that the standard thing that they would have not like oh you could have this okay wow these are the traditional anyway so whether they're the standard anymore i don't know for some of them but they are the traditional ones okay so not your classic turkey i'm expecting here no uh, no. Right. Can I phone a friend? Oh, no. I'm on my phone. <laughs> yeah, no, you cannot. <laughs> okay. I am the only friend you have in this world. Okay. <laughs> but if I get it wrong, you can elaborate on it and tell other people why or something like that. Have you got some... Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. Or just, um... or just slap you in the face, whichever works. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, item number one. Where in the world would you expect to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken? for christmas oh really kentucky fried kfc chicken. is a christmas staple in which country and it's a country not a state so i can't say like texas yeah. oh it's, it's a country yeah oh, do you know part of me is thinking because of the weather in australia because it's not not Obviously, it's summer over in Australia. I've just got this feeling that people might come together and go on a beach and just grab a takeaway and just be like, yeah, it's Christmas and we've got our shorts on and we're just going to have some... This is the closest thing to meat. We're not shoving a roast on. And then there's some sort of Asian thing as well that I'm thinking about being like, yeah, maybe that. Oh, it's definitely not America because, I mean, they push Thanksgiving pretty hard uh, anyway. And it's just kind of like a follow-up, isn't it? It's kind of like the sequel, Back to Future 2 of... of of uh, festivities um i'm gonna go australia you're gonna go australia you would be you would be wrong going oh. australia i can think you see why i went for more, that though i can see i sort of i think australia is more of a barbecue at christmas that's yes the, yeah that seems to be a bit more of the tradition there okay um now you were saying uh you you suggested that it might be an asian country and mm. you would have been on the right lines if you had gone down that route okay so it's like japan or something it is Japan. <laughs> All right. What? So here we go. Uh, let me introduce you to Kentucky for Christmas. So this is from the BBC, this, mm -hmm. uh, this description from a 2011 article on Japan's KFC Christmas obsession. 
So every Christmas season, an estimated 3.6 million Japanese families treat themselves to fried chicken from the American fast food chain in what has become a nationwide tradition. Wow. So it's sort of become one. Yeah. So I'll come on to that. So for those who do partake, it's not as simple as walking in and ordering. December is a busy month for KFC in Japan. Daily sales at some restaurants during the Christmas period can be 10 times their usual take. Getting the KFC Christmas special dinner often requires ordering it weeks in advance, and those who don't order will wait in line sometimes for hours. <laughs> That's bonkers. Are there any special sauces or...? I'm coming on to that. The okay. genesis of Japan's KFC tradition is mm -hmm. a tale of corporate promotion that any business heading to Japan ought to study, one that sounds almost like a holiday parable. So, according to KFC Japan spokesperson Motoichi Nakatani, it started thanks to Takeshi Okawara, the manager of the first KFC in the country. Shortly after it opened in 1970, Okawara woke up at midnight and jotted down an idea that came to him in a dream. A party barrel to be sold on Christmas. A party barrel. So Okawara dreamed up the idea after overhearing a couple of foreigners in his store talk about how they missed having turkey for Christmas. He hoped a Christmas dinner of fried chicken could be a fine substitute, and so he began marketing his party barrel as a way to celebrate the holiday. In 1974, KFC took this marketing plan national, calling it Kentucky for Christmas, and it took off quickly. The party barrel for Christmas became almost immediately a national phenomenon, says Junas Rocker, associate professor of marketing at M. Lyon Business School in France. Junas Rocker, what a name. I love that. Now, he has studied the KFC Christmas in Japan uh, campaign as a model promotions campaign. It filled a void, Rocker says. There was no tradition of Christmas in Japan, and so KFC came in and said, this is what you should do at Christmas. <laughs> and that's why it worked. It's because Japan doesn't have a particularly uh, Christian um, tradition over there. So in the post-war era in the 1970s, they were able to come in and go, yep, this is a thing you can do at Christmas. And people went, okay. And KFC became the national Christmas Dish. That's incredible. Like KFC, the Colonel. Is it is the Colonel at KFC? Yeah. Yep. Colonel Sanders. He must be rubbing his hands. Well, yeah, I don't know if he's real, mate, but yes. Oh, right. yes. Sure. <laughs> the my mythical just a just a mascot, mate. Just yeah. a mascot. Was he sure? He wasn't based on someone then. Well maybe maybe he was, but I mean, you know, in the same way that Ronald McDonald isn't a real person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's entirely possible. Hate to break it to you. I, I once um went on a fancy dress weekend on a stag do dressed as Ronald McDonald's and where we were staying they didn't have a McDonald's, they had a Burger King, which was quite funny. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, so okay. we were all dressed in full but like we're coming to take over. It's the rivals, man. Uh, she's in Captain Bird's Eye, almost like a, a cousin of uh, the Colonel. They, they've got a little bit of uh, similarities there, haven't they? Visually. I don't. I don't know if that's canon. I don't. I don't know <laughs> if. Um, yeah, but it would be good if it was. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. So it's not even chicken, is it? There's no. No, it is chicken. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. It's not even turkey. Yeah. Yeah. It was a. They basically went. Chicken could be a turkey substitute. And there's no sort of Christmassy, uh, like, cranberry sauce, or I want to know what's in this party barrel. Like, I think I think it's just a standard KFC chicken uh, bucket. Yeah, like a bucket. I don't think yeah. there's anything fancy about it. I think it's just 
Um, but it's just that that is now a Christmas tradition. But then again, it doesn't need to be, does it? Because it's like, this is the tradition. We're religiously creating the tradition. You could like say, oh no, you have to wear your shoes on your head on Christmas Day. And they'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then it just carries on. Well, I think, I mean, can you imagine booking a KFC as well? Can you imagine booking a table at KFC and having it do that weeks in advance? <laughs> I once did that as a joke in a McDonald's drive-thru at 3am after a night out with some friends. I bet they loved you. Yeah, I walked in there and it was like 24-hour one on the Saturday night and I was like, uh, table for four, please? And they're like, are you joking? And I sort of like carried on with that. I was like, oh, we'll just sit over there in the corner. Will there be a waiter service? And and yeah, it was just, yeah. I mean, I, I would book a table for KFC if it was a tradition like that. I think it has to become, if it becomes the norm like that, then you go with it, right? I don't know. I think that's quite cool. What would your tradition be? Not KFC. No. <laughs> Steak? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, like, I like Christmas as it is. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I'm all over that too. Like that whole thing of if I could invent anything to replace it, I keep it the same. Or maybe my favorite sandwich of all time is a steak and cheese sandwich. Okay. Uh, Maybe replace it with that. All right. That's weird, but we'll go with it. (laughs) Um, Moving on though, I'll go, I'm going to go on to my next uh, foodie dish now. Now this is actually something that you have eaten before. Uh, and I know this because when I Googled it, you were the first thing that came up. Oh, so, gosh. Um, I'm going to get it wrong still. <laughs> it's my life. This is Mopane Worms. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It might oh, be Mopane, but it's... Mopane Worms, Mopane. I think they were. Yeah, Mopane they were, Worms, okay. Now, I have no idea why they were tradition eaten on Christmas, but they when I when I got them, they were arrived. Um, I had to rehydrate them in water and soak yeah. them to soften them up. So they came almost like freeze-dried bugs or worms, really. I remember them being quite chewy and a little bit meaty, to be fair. So I can see where the chicken is sort of comes from. I, oh, I want to say South Africa. Yeah, it is indeed yeah, South yeah. Africa. You cool. are absolutely correct on this one. Who do have some good food, Babuti and Bunny Chow. But Bunny Chow, I did a video on that recently. Basically a loaf of bread hollowed out, filled with curry. The bread you hollow out, you scoop the curry with. Oh my gosh. Sounds good. It sounds so quite good. That sounds quite a lot like when you have um, clam chowder in San Francisco. It's the same principle. You hollow out a sourdough roll and then you fill it with the uh, with the chowder. And it's yeah, like a bread bowl. Okay, so m- m- Mopane. Is it Mopane worms? Yeah, Mopane worms. Let's right? go with that. Okay, so from Wikipedia, this dried Mopane worms can be eaten raw as a crisp snack. However, in Botswana, people tend not to eat the head, which is good to know. Alternatively, <laughs> Mopane worms can be soaked to rehydrate before being fried until they are crunchy or cooked with onion, tomatoes, and spices and then served with pap or sadza. The flesh is yellow and the gut may still contain fragments of dried leaf, which is not harmful to humans. The taste of dried leaves, if not removed, is somewhat reminiscent of tea leaves. Dried mapane worms are frequently canned and packaged in tomato sauce or chili sauce to enhance the flavour. Mm. I, I, when I um, hydrated mine in water, I just ate them as is like that. I don't remember cooking them at all. They're I'm meant still to be alive. Very, they're meant to be very nutritious and yeah. uh, very protein rich. Yeah, I held them by the head. They kind of look like, yeah, big caterpillars held it by the heads, uh, bit everything else, the sort of the black body on it. I remember it being quite chewy and like a meaty texture. So, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. Yeah, that sounds like not such a bad one. Yeah, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I would eat that one. Yeah, I think me too, yeah. Okay. So, now, this one is Smalahove, which translates to sheep's head. 
Oh, God. Like an actual whole boiled sheep's head? Like a whole sheep's head. Is there a vegan option? Um, No. No, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, he kind of lost it. You turn up at the, ve- a table. the vegan option is dust in oh. this in this instance. I'm gonna go for a European country. Am I near? Yeah, yeah. you I'm, are. I'm thinking Norway. Bang on, really, Mr. Barry Lewis. It oh. is indeed Norway. Yes. Oh. So, once again, from Wikipedia, Smalahov is a Western Norwegian traditional dish made from a sheep's head originally eaten before Christmas. The name of the dish comes from the combination of the Norwegian words hover and smala. Hover is a dialectical form of hovud, meaning head, and smala is a word for sheep. So smalahov literally means sheep head. The skin and fleece of the head is torched. The brain removed, and the head is salted, sometimes smoked, and dried. The head is boiled or steamed for about three hours and served with mashed uh, rutabaga and potatoes. In some preparations, the brain is cooked inside the skull and then eaten with a spoon or fried, not unlike in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yes. Oh, I've got one of them behind me. I've got an actual monkey brains, like thing that you can buy it online i can't remember where it's got from but it looks she is a chilled monkey brains container it looks just like it and the lid comes off which is the monkey's head i did a video on it years ago it was stupid um but you can't get much meat in that surely so originally smalahov was typically eaten by the poor and it is considered by most people this is from the wikipedia page to be unappealing or even repulsive (laughs) It is mostly enjoyed by enthusiasts and is often served to tourists. Because of its status as an extreme food, tourists often seek it out as a thrill. Voss Norway in particular has benefited from tourists wishing to try it, not only as a nostalgic and authentic rural dish, but also as a challenging culinary trophy appealing to thrill-seeking consumers. Oh my gosh, that's insane. So I'm not sure if this one is a particularly uh, widespread Mm. dish these days the interesting thing when you look at it you can look it up online and it is straight up a sheep's head there is no doubt at all that that oh. is what sh- what you are eating i've i've eaten things like you know like you know, p- pig cheeks before or cod cheeks or or these sorts of things and i've eaten i know in other european countries you will eat meat from the head of the lamb but it is not necessarily you know, it's not as painfully apparent as you are staring it in the face. Yeah, it's quite clearly, yep, yeah, this is what you're going to have. But I, I just still, like, I, I assume you get some sort of broth out of it, which can be flavoured and obviously goes with the mashed potato. But I can't imagine there being much meat. Like I say, like I said, it's cheeks probably, and they're charring the, the hair. <laughs> so like... Well, it was, I mean, you know, it sounds like it was a, it was a cheap cut. That was the, that was the option was originally, so mm. that's originally where it came from. Um, yeah, but yes, it is. There is something very strange about it, and especially because you boil it rather than roasting it, or um, it's very apparent that it is a sheep's head. You are in yeah. no doubt that that is what you are eating. I mean, I, I like the idea that it's kind of the only thing that's really keeping it going. Sounds like modern day culture and the actual thing of perhaps even more international folk are the ones that are like, yeah, okay, I want to try this. So that's really more why they're doing it because it is potentially disgusting and people are like yeah i want to try it yeah i eat anything i'm the man yeah it's there is a bit of that going with it so how much you know i don't know and if we have any norwegian listeners let us know um to what extent this is actually eaten in norway or whether this has just become a bit of a touristy thing Um, yeah because we'd love to know what the what the story is with that 
Yeah, that's it's just crazy. I mean, you know, you 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 got this whole vision of like a Christmas table here in England or wherever, and you're carving the turkey up. Everyone's around, you know, pulling crackers, eating the stuffing. Whereas I've just got this vision of everyone sort of staring at this sheep's head on a platter, like <laughs> looking at it. Oh no. Look what happened to Daisy. Well, that's, actually, no, Daisy's more of a stereotype for a cow, isn't it? What's a stereotype name for a sheep? Uh, I don't know, Dolly. Dolly, that's right, yeah. Wasn't there like a... Dolly is the, the clone sheep. That's, that's right. Uh, that's where yeah. it comes from. Ah. Okay, so we're going to go on to the last one now. And for these ones, I'm not going to give you the English name. Okay. Because I want to save the reveal of what these actually are until the end um so you're gonna have to go on my terrible pronunciation of these words alone okay to be honest that was how i got the norwegian one i was like that sounds like how i would pronounce a norwegian word (laughs) right well this this might this might play into your favor then so in what country miss lewis would you expect to have kiviak and muktuk finland very close you want to you want to try another one Mm, iceland (laughs) and another one think of other countries ending in land in that region uh my geography is not very good Uh, what's a color that's not red blue land (laughs) um yellow land blue land pink land brown land greenland there you go, the one that's actually a country. Yeah. That's the one you were looking for. <laughs> sometimes I just should not think aloud. Yes. <laughs> I think sometimes it's a, it's a thing of you should not think aloud on a podcast. I think that yes. that's the key thing there. You should not think aloud as you're broadcasting it to the public. Yes, that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, uh, I... <laughs> so there's the question, of course, of what Muktuk and Kiviak are. Now I'm going to go with Muktuk first. Partly because mm. it sounds like a character from Star Wars. It most definitely is not, as we were I like the sound out. of it from a foodie yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah, like you're, you're, not, you're not in a minute, mate. I'll oh. tell you that now. So Mugtuck is a traditional Inuit meal of frozen whale skin and blubber. Oh! So most often used for this dish, this comes from Wikipedia, is a blowhead whale. And it's most often made from the skin and blubber of that animal, although the beluga and the narwhal are also used. Usually eaten raw, today it is occasionally finely diced, breaded, deep fried, and then served with soy sauce. Wow. I can see that sounding nicer, tasting nicer with that sort of fried soy sauce combo, but I'm not liking anything else. (laughs) So despite it being usually eaten raw, it could also be eaten frozen or cooked. It is also sometimes pickled. When chewed raw, the blubber becomes oily with a nutty taste. If not diced or at least serrated, the skin is quite rubbery. Oh, gosh. Now, muktuk has been found to be a good source of vitamin C. The epidermis contains up to 38 milligrams per 100 grams. Blubber is also a source of vitamin D. But... As whales grow, mercury accumulates in the liver, kidney, muscle and blubber, and (coughs) cadmium settles in the blubber. It also contains PCBs, carcinogens that damage human nervous immune and reproductive systems, bioaccumulated from the marine food web, and a variety of other contaminants. So swings and roundabouts there in terms of the... um, 
the overall health benefits. Yeah, because the blubber is like a, a tissue, isn't it, under the skin of of, yeah. of, the, of the whale? Already, oh god. And of course, and of course, whale farming, whale uh, hunting in general has has of course become very controversial. But this is something that in some of the Nordic countries is a very traditional thing. Yes, uh, and it's interesting that uh, sort of debate about tradition versus conservation and these other things. Um, well, I've just Google imaged muktuk actually, and um, I endorse and I recommend everyone to do this just out of I don't know curiosity and then click away. Uh, it kind of looks like an ice lolly or some vanilla ice, like a block of sweets. As in the wrapper. Um, yeah, you know how you get vanilla ice, uh, coconut ice? Oh, no, <laughs> coconut ice, not vanilla ice, you donkey. Ice, <laughs> ice baby. No, coconut ice is, you know, that's sweet you get here in the UK, particularly like very nostalgic, sort of made with a lot of icing, sugar and coconut. And it's two-tone, it's like white and pink, whereas this is sort of like black and pink. So you can, yeah, you literally do see the skin and the blubber underneath. Wow. That is, wow, okay. It's a bit extreme. Yeah. Um, so there we go. So that's muktuk. Now, muktuk is one thing, and then there is kiviak. So okay. are you ready for some kiviak? Kiviak, yes. Kiviak is a traditional wintertime Inuit food from Greenland that is made of little orcs, which is a type of bird, mm. fermented in a seal skin oh my gosh that sounds worse than surstreaming it it does doesn't it are you ready yeah so up to 500 whole orcs are packed into the seal skin beaks and feathers included as much air as possible is removed from the seal skin before it is sewn up and sealed with seal fat which repels flies good thing too yeah. Uh, it is then hidden in a heap of stones with a large rock placed on top to keep the air out. Over the course of three months, the birds ferment and are then eaten during the Arctic weather. Oh now, I gosh. think that this is something that is, um, I think that this is more of a, a holiday stroke occasion dish. So these are eaten at Christmas, but they're also eaten on birthdays and at weddings. So it's a bit like balut in a way. Yeah, you know, sort of like semi-fertilized egg that you get like in Asia. But they've just like packing loads of birds into this seal. Yep. Bye. The, pro- the process was featured in the third episode of BBC's Human Planet in 2011. And in August 2013, several people died from eating kiviak that was made from ida rather than orc. Ida does not ferment as well as orc and gave those that ate it botulism i mean that's just horrendous who even comes up with that idea oh you know i've got you know don't you know michelin star chef me i'm gonna stick some birds in a seal and pile rocks all over them <laughs> three months as well yep it is a long old time it's really gross um this one and uh you know if you look up a a picture of it as a gizmodo article states this inuit delicacy is the turducken from hell which mm. i think is uh yes that's insane like i'm, I'm actually google imaging it and it's far worse than the first uh, image to be honest but i mean you kind of need to to look at it to grasp what it is what happens to the feathers I, i'm trying to work that out it looks they like... just they just float at the bottom you eat everything else God. everything else is softened during the fermenting process yeah um so yeah it's gonna be uh, salty and... isn't it you ferment them for between 3 to 18 months. Wow. For richness. 
Real nice long fermentation, aged in an oak barrel, all that sort of stuff. No, in a seal carcass. Well, the interesting thing that they're saying here um, on uh, uh, on this Gizmodo article is that food shortages are common during the long, dark winter months in Greenland. Uh, hunting becomes a very risky proposition due to unsafe ice conditions and a general lack of light, which is probably where this dish originated from because mm. it provides an essential food source when fresh affair is unavailable. Wow. Which I guess, yeah. That's, it's just so strange. Like, again, I've got that vision of Christmas Day, you know. I'm, I'm, you know what, whether you're a veggie, vegan, or, you know, just standard meat eater, I'm kind of thankful that, you know, we kind of keep it fairly normal. In the, I don't, I mean that in the nicest way because there could be some other meaning why this is done or some, I don't know, I don't want to sort of say something I shouldn't, but that, that to me feels all kinds of wrong. I feel sorry for the birds like getting in Once there. Once again, I would love to, I'd love to know if we've got anybody who has family in Greenland or has been to Greenland. It would be fascinating to know more about this tradition and whether this is something that is widespread or this is something that is... Uh, a, one of these things that is a traditional thing that doesn't necessarily get that kind of widespread acceptance anymore. Um, if you've got any stories, if you've tried it, if you've tried any of these things, then let us know because we are fascinated and very curious to find out more about these uh, yeah. weird and wonderful Christmas dinner alternatives. I mean, I'd love to do an episode together on just like maybe five of the wor- world's weirdest foods. I mean, search streaming is probably going to be on there and just talk about that in more detail and maybe get the help of the listeners as well. That, that would be really, yeah. really interesting. Here's a quick, would you eat it? I don't know. I I pride myself on being pretty open-minded and willing to try most things. And I think everything on this list, I would give a go, but I'm not sure about the muktuk and I'm not sure about the kiviak because yeah. that to me just, that's a whole level of of with the with the muktuk it's that question of the um whether the you know the whale stuff is actually good to eat in from a health perspective yeah that would uh that would put me off but with the other one it's just there's something a bit stuff of nightmares about that to me i'm quite similar to you in that i would very rarely turn down the opportunity to try anything and i obviously done some very strange videos in the past eating a tarantula and things like that and a scorpion whereas Something like this, if I knew that I would be okay, I wouldn't die effectively, <laughs> which yeah. sounds like there's a risk, I probably would try it. I wouldn't want to. But if I, you know, if, if, for example, if I had a, a YouTube series and I was like asked to go around the world doing the world's weirdest food, I, I would, I'd have a mouthful. Uh, okay. But also a doctor on standby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. I don't endorse it. I don't agree with it. I think it sounds horrible. It looks horrible. Um but sometimes my inquisitivity takes over. That's even a thing. Well, if anybody's got any Kiviak that they want to send uh, Barry, <laughs> we'll put up a PO box uh, in the next description. Yeah. We've upgraded from the Christmas sandwiches. Oh, well, we've got some Kiviak now. We've got some Poundland Kiviak <laughs> yeah. and some Waitrose Kiviak. So what have you got in front of you, Barry? Well, I've got a podcast microphone and um, a seal. Dead, dead seal filler birds. <laughs> Oh, it's letting off a lovely smell. The kids are loving it. We're all around. Dogs are going crazy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There are some weirder foods out there as well. I mean, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, we should definitely do an episode on that. And, yeah, like Alex says, any any feedback you've got on our initial thoughts or any other cool things you've seen, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll plonk them into a future episode for sure. Well, thanks, Alec. Another interesting 
podcast episode in the bag, a very festive one, of course. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I will be finishing probably the nicer sandwiches off uh, off of Pod, pod Air. Um, but I think that's a, that's the pod in the bag. So uh, thanks so much for listening, folks. If you made it this far, don't forget to check out the previous couple of episodes. Uh, like and share it with people that you think might enjoy it uh, on social media, any of your platforms. And you can find us, uh, Mr. Barry Lewis, on SoundCloud. But we're pretty much on every podcast platform we can think of if we're not please let us know uh you need to be on i don't know pod seal i'm only saying that because there's a picture of a seal in front of me um but i can't think of anything that we're not on Alec, maybe? yeah if we're if we're not on your podcast provider of choice then just let us know and we will take care of it as soon as we can because what we really want to do is is get this out there to as many people as possible so uh yeah yeah just um you know hit us up on the uh, on the the email or the socials uh, where can people get in touch with you mr lewis on twitter uh well barrylewis.net is my main website which has got all the links to all the social media but they're all mr barry lewis i think even the podcast uh, link is uh, on soundcloud mr barry lewis from there so have a little look on there uh any feedback is much much appreciated uh from all of us i think when i say all of us just me and alec yeah <laughs> if you've got any long form comments that you want to share then you can email stonkinfoodcast at gmail.com oh yes uh, we have an email way. we do have an email address it's stonkin it's with no g yeah stonkin s-t-o-n-k-i-n foodcast at gmail.com so if you've got any longer form comments then drop us a line yeah if you'd like to see an episode for example yeah like those weird foods if you say oh i really like to see you guys talk about this then awesome yeah Great. Well, thanks, Alec. I wish you yeah, cheers. a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, yeah, and we will be we will be back in the new year, of course, with the Stonkin' Foodcast to talk about our New Year's food resolutions in oh. 2020. So oh, I've got some homework. You, if you guys have New Year's food resolutions, then let us know what they are. Get in touch on the usual channels on Facebook, on Twitter. Drop us an email. Let us know what your New Year's food resolutions are, and we will read the best ones out next episode. So you're not after like the cliches and like, oh, I'm gonna like New Year, New Me. I'm gonna lose half a stone. I'm gonna eat healthier. I mean, I like, eat healthier is possibly one, but you're more like, oh, I might try and eat yeah, something what crazy you, or learn. What are to you eat gonna it. cook? What are you gonna What are you gonna do differently mm. in the kitchen? What are your What are your goals? What do you want to learn? What recipes do you want to try? Yeah, all of those sorts of things. The the weirder and more wonderful the better okay i'm gonna try some kiviak that's mine nice <laughs> I go, i'm going to try and uh incorporate kiviak into at least one family meal a week <laughs> yeah absolutely it's trying to appreciate the world family come on let's let's get multicultural here let's do it oh gosh i am campaigning i am campaigning for the uh for my kids school to put kiviak on the school dinner menu at least once a week the marketing campaign kidviak yeah uh, there it is yeah. great oh no okay thanks so much alec uh merry christmas folks thanks for listening share away like away feedback welcome goodbye bye-bye Stonking Christmas rule, and to all a good night. Well, so nice.